0: Do you feel stuck on the NHS hamster wheel? Always running and never really achieving what you want to in your rehab. Always short on time and struggling to fit it all in. Join me as we discuss all things rehabilitation, personal and professional development, with just a sprinkling of complexity science. Welcome to Emerging Rehab. Hey! Welcome to episode one of my podcast. My name is Amanda Rutter and I wanted to start by telling you my backstory about how I ended up where I am now and about the origins of of how I've got here. So uh, bear with me, I'm not entirely brilliant at podcasting, so I just wanted to talk to you a little bit about how we've got here. So I've been an NHS physiotherapist since 2003. So I graduated from the University of Nottingham and I started work in a big teaching hospital. And at that time in my career, everybody who started work started in a junior rotation. And you pretty much it was it was it was standard really. Everybody who who came into the profession had the went through university came out applied for a job at a well at a hospital somewhere and then they were offered a, a junior uh, rotation and they got to go through and to to work in all the core areas so for physio we got to work in um, orthopedics and elderly care and respiratory and in musculoskeletal outpatients and um in neurology and then there were some sort of extra bits that people got to do so some people did women's health some people did pediatrics or burns and plastics um or extra rotations in an area that they were interested in and i went through and i learned my trades and built my um knowledge and skill with some amazing physiotherapists and then the time came, got a new job and I moved away and I moved to a different um, environment where I worked in a primary care trust and it was a big change from a teaching hospital to a primary care trust and the work was different, although I was in outpatient setting, um, the work the work was very different, uh, it was a lot more um, chronic condition management, um, it was really busy, we, we didn't have the same... Um, as well we did we didn't really have the same sort of because we were in a primary care trust we didn't have the same relationship with the consultants um it was just very different and and the expectation was very different um as you all have found when you work in different organizations and um there was a move during this time towards more integrated um care, and in this time i Work started. Work and covering the community. So I started by covering somebody's maternity leave, and that was my first experience really into the community. I I remember my very first patient, and looking back now, it was a a lady who had fractured her ankle and couldn't get out and about. But realistically nowadays, <laughs> there'd be no way uh, that um you know we'd have gone out to see her bless her because she was able to get in and out the car she could do the stairs she was mobile on crutches she was really good um and that sort of gives a bit of an indication really about about you know my backstory is that um over the time I've been a physiotherapist not only has our profession changed and the NHS has changed but the patients that we're treating um they've changed as well. You can hear my dog scrabbling at the door. Apologies. So, um, yeah, our populations have changed and the people that we are serving, um, have different problems now and, and their problems are getting more and more complex. So I, from that community job, I I ended up doing, um, a secondment and I ended up in falls so I was working with a falls team and we were moving the falls team out of the hospital and into the community and it was an opportunity to to spend some time around different professions and see how different people work outside of physiotherapy Um, and to add that to my knowledge of how the community worked and and also to to see a, different, a whole different set of, of patient problems and, and problems that people were experiencing in their own lives that resulted in falling over. So after that, I had um, a baby. During that time, I was pregnant, had my little girl and, and came back to work in a, in a completely different job that, that fitted around my life. So I don't know how many of you have, have ended up working in a part of, the, of your career where you didn't intend to work. So I never, to be honest with you, I never really intended to work in integrated care and community care. I was, to all intents and purposes, in my brain going to be a sports physio. Um, I was going to be, you know, or I was going to work in trauma and orthopedics or A and E. I, I, liked the fast pace of a hospital environment or A and E, um and. To work in integrated care and and community um, was never something I intended to do. But nevertheless, after having my baby and my little Sophie, who's not so little anymore, uh, she's now 11, I moved into um, intermediate care and it fitted really well around, um, you know, the the life as a mummy and part-time and, you know, it was a different way of working. And I found that actually the skills that I developed through my community and um, through working as um, a physio in, 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 you know, in the, the role in the Falls um, Clinic had given me this opportunity um, that made me pretty good um, in intermediate care. Um, I could understand... I'm just going to have to let the dog in, sorry, apologies because she's scrabbling away. See, this is podcasting life. Right, so anyway. So yeah, I moved into um, intermediate care, developed some different skills. And during this time, we integrated with social care. And a whole different realm of problems sort of came about. And, you know, you learn learn completely different skills. So, you know, really, throughout my career then, what I'm, I'm saying is that things developed and the NHS changed and a lot shifted in the time between joining the profession in 2003 and the time that we are now, which is about 2008. Um, and I worked in several different community teams and integrated care teams and developed skills around this, this integrated model of working. Um, and by the time I moved to Wales, um. I was pregnant again with my, my second child, who's Henry, who's now eight, and I was working for a reablement team. And reablement is, is for well, you probably all know, but for those of you who don't know the word, it's, it's around promotion of independence um, for people who've experienced an illness or an injury um, and getting people back to living independently in their own homes. Um And I set up this service, and um, it was my first experience of working with um, support staff who weren 't specifically in physiotherapy um and i of managing them i'd worked with them before in intermediate care, but it was my first experience of managing them and looking at all the problems that came along with um managing staff who needed to be competent and capable in a range of different areas. So, as we went along, um, it became obvious that that we were asking um, our staff to be competent across a huge, wide range of things, when actually, it was really difficult for them to learn and, and practice these skills enough to, to keep their competence in them. Um, and This wasn't sort of the only area where where people were having difficulties. At the same sort of time, we were developing slightly different roles within the NHS setting um, and support workers were being asked to... They were physio assistants and then they were technical instructors and they were being asked to take on more um, responsibility and and the bandings were slightly changing and we were developing towards having band fours. Band fours being that sort of semi-professional member of staff who's able to to take on some, um, you know, within a, a spe- very specified area, some assessment and um, also sort of development of their, their ability to progress um, treatment and exercises and things like that. And, you know... Everybody who has worked within within with support workers within the NHS and with junior staff will know that obviously as life has changed within the NHS over the last ten years, we've got more and more and more pushed towards um, doing more with less. And we all know that the, the the those struggles that have come have been having staff replaced with lower grades and having no backfill for maternity cover, and having, um, you know, just more and more patients coming through, more and more people um, needing our, you know, needing our service, needing our support, needing physiotherapy and rehabilitation. But we know that we haven't any more staff or any more time. And in fact, we've probably got less staff. We've had lots of members of staff replaced by lower grade staff. We've lost experience. And at the same time, we've moved towards community care where we didn't have it before. And so we've developed um, completely different roles and completely different services, probably out of existing budgets and, um, and staffing ratios and... Probably the same staff in certain areas, so you know we were coming up against these struggles. Too many patients, and and it was common across the whole of where we were working. You know, too many patients. We were at the point of breaching. Um, no time to see them. No time to do as much as we wanted to do with them. Little time to train each other. You know, no time to train the the, the support workers. Difficulty fitting in supervision and PADRs and in-service training, and feeling generally like we were working in chaos. Um, You know, people who aren't weren't happy, really high levels of stress, and and people feeling generally that you know there wasn't the time to do the job properly and feeling very frustrated, Um, and. Inter- you know those are the sort of the drivers on you know that we were happy to talk about on the outside and, and escalate up to managers. But internally, I know personally that I was feeling that the work it was just getting too hard. It was too hard to stay on top of, not, not specifically the work, but helping people around me who I could see struggling, um, knowing I could do more, feeling really frustrated and stuck. Um, not knowing the best way to move forwards or, or how to even explain these feelings of frustration to managers so that they could understand them. It's very difficult when somebody doesn't work where you work day to day for them to get a picture, really, of, of, of the situation that you're working in. And I know a lot of you will will agree with that. Um, you know, I, I know that a lot of what I felt was that I had no sort of intrinsic feeling of satisfaction. I didn't feel fulfilled in the jobs that I was doing. I like, I didn't feel like I was where I needed to be in my career. I felt really stuck. Um specifically around working in the community and in in this kind of generic role. I felt a really I felt compared to my colleagues and my my peers who were also at the same sort of level as me, that I didn't really know anything because I was so generic, and I was so, my skill set was so broadly spread, that I wasn't really an expert in anything compared to other people, and I think that was really, that was really, it was really hard and challenging at the time, because a lot of my colleagues were going to do masters, and um, they were developing services in very specific niches, and And I felt it was a really difficult time where I really struggled with where I was going in my career, whether had I just missed the boat in terms of special, you know, specializing in an area Um, was what I even did. What you know, how could I call myself an expert? Was I really a rehab specialist? Really? Did I did I know enough? You know who was i kidding that that those were all the, the things I felt inside me, and honestly at times i I just felt like it would be easier to do something else and at this time, I was also like having a little flip with entrepreneurship outside of work and I had a private practice and I was doing a little bit of m s k type physio on the side, and I was doing a little bit of um of falls rehabilitation on the side, and I was doing. Some work around blogging and developing some CPD, and I was also growing flowers. I, I I tried a lot of things because I really did feel that I I wasn't happy with what I was doing, and and that was, you know, it was due to the fact that I just didn't feel like I really belonged anywhere. I felt like I'd missed my niche. I feel like I felt like everybody else knew more than I did, and it was it was a really hard place to be at that time. And it led to a lot of stress and frustration, so I within that sort of current role those were that was the big wall that I hit you know I'm not getting anywhere I'm, I'm not going anywhere I don't know what to do um, and I don't feel like the current situation that I'm in is helping me and therefore and I'm not helping anybody else um, and what really sort of started to bring that hit, you know bring that to hit home was I was working you know I had a team who were working with me and we had a lot of um of staff who who'd been replaced by lower bands um, so a lot of, of our band sevens and sixes had left and we'd had more band fives and band fours into into the community Well, we developed a community service for one. We didn't have one before. And we sort of hit this real problem around the work that people were having to take on and how hard it was for them to take it on. And it was about this time that it really became problematic because we were unable to sustain what we were doing and we sort of hit this wall where the the waiting lists were going up and it wasn't possible for me and the band 6 to stay on top of assessing all of this, these these patients and delegating all the work appropriately and the the time we were spending in the, you know out in the community gathering the information from the patients their subjective history finding out all about them and then coming back in and thinking, well, that really wasn't as urgent as we thought. Or we'd rushed out to, you know, we'd rushed out to somebody and really all they would needed was was a walking frame. Or we'd found that they could have come into to the outpatient departments. And we started thinking, this isn't, we are, we're not working in the most effective way. This is not an effective use of our time. We are rushing around you know, we're stuck on a treadmill, we've got our heads down, we're running so hard and so fast and everybody is absolutely exhausted, nobody can see the wood for the trees, we're literally not making any progress, that we had to, to get to a point where we had to stop. And we had to really think about what we were doing and what, 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 what benefit were we actually having by continuing to work in the way that we were working. And it's at this time we were trying to sort of escalate these problems up to management and and I was working closely with with my colleague Vic and she was having the same problems in a different area. And with the same staff, same we were the same organization and we were we were having these difficulties across different areas but with the same the same problems and and we're trying to explain these problems. Um, in a way that that got the attention um, of 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 managers, and in a way that made sure that it was going to be better for our staff and not just the same, and for our patients to make sure that they were getting the best of us and and not not really. And I don't really think at this point in time that they they were. Um, you know, we were in a situation where where we were, you know, one physio was trying to run around and and do all of the response work so um, working with all of the patients who needed to be seen urgently to stop them you know from being admitted to hospital at the same time as doing all the rehabilitation work and the reablement type work so getting people back up on their feet and setting up long term plans for them and setting up support worker plans for them and it was a really difficult balance so It was about this time that we came across um, something called ANGEL. It was the ANGEL taxonomy. And it was a completely different way of describing a person's problems. And, you know, within physiotherapy, we're very good at, you know, we, we do our database and we talk about their presenting condition and the history of presenting condition and past medical history, drug history, and their social history but we don't always look at problems in the context of somebody's life Um, and we don't really look at how a problem for one person is different to a problem for somebody else so this angel taxonomy came along and it was just a way of, of us describing a person in in five different areas of their life in their activities, how, how socially active they were and in their needs. So what was going on? What was wrong? What, what they, you know, what the, what the actual need for us to be there was and in their goals. So in terms of how stable or unstable that they were, um, and in escalation, so how many professionals or, um, teams were involved in that person and whether they needed a specialist team to, to be involved. And then in terms of their location, where were they? Were they at home? Did they have a package of care? Did they Were they in hospital? Um, and, did, and it allowed us just to describe something very quickly. Between us, between me and Vic, we could then discuss our caseloads and we could look at the caseload of a of a band seven and compare it to the caseload of a band four and we could see where people were struggling what the patterns were in in the patients that they were struggling with, so this allowed us to really have some data and and it allowed us to have, to describe someone in the context of their life and it's kind of like um, a way to to distill the person into the different parts of their life and to capture a score and a picture in at that time, which we can then go back and describe and, and explore in a bit more depth. So instead of just triaging somebody as urgent or routine, or, um, you know, which didn't take into consideration, you know, the whole person or their life, um, or the complexity of their situation. And you know, where where one unit of time didn't equate to, you know, one visit didn't equate to one unit of time where we had, you know, got there and it was a hugely complex situation that I know those of you who've worked in, in um, rapid response or intermediate care, you've had those scenarios where you spent 90% of the day on the phone trying to sort out one person and thought, my goodness where did that day go and you may have stopped one person coming in but actually if somebody else looked at what you did that day they'd be like well why did it take so long you know I've seen 16 people today in MSK and you've only dealt with one so it was it it allowed us a way to describe um our caseload in a completely different way and when the work was was feeling too hard for somebody we could look at the patterns that were coming out of these scores um And it allowed us to make a bit more sense of the whole story of that whole picture. So we started using this to to measure and to describe our caseload. So we started scoring everybody. um, And we started to map this over the service and we scored everybody who came into our service. And we managed to get a huge number of scores, even in a very short space of time. And it allowed us to to be able to build up this picture of not only individual patients and people and what their sh- what their scores looked like but it also allowed us to look at the whole service and what the scores were over the service and and what types of patients were taking this huge amount of time and what types of patients weren't and we could then match that the the description with a score and a pattern and also um to be able to then you know use that across the whole across different people's caseloads and and to show where where time was going really, I mean don't get me wrong this didn't go well all the time. there were some huge problems and, and there are ongoing still some huge problems around using um, this method to to score people. you know it is based on complexity science and in order to have an understanding of the score you, there is a need to understand a little bit of the of the complexity science that that's behind it and that has been very difficult to teach people and what we've found is that there is a lots of people have a very um intuitive way of gathering this data and they're able to 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 score people very intuitively and that doesn't matter on what band of stuff they are or their profession. It's independent to that. Um, but some people find it very abstract and very hard to be able to see what, what we're asking or to be able to think outside of, of their own profession or to be able to um, give a patient a score that was actually accurate to, to their, their life taking into account everything within their life, not just the intervention that they were putting in place. So lots of scores came back a lot lower because the actual, the physiotherapy intervention we were putting in place was quite simple. So if we were delivering a frame for somebody, they might be very complex and have a have a very complex picture of their life. Yet our intervention was very simple because we were just issuing a frame. Um, and we have hit a number of barriers around using this. Um, it's not been all plain sailing, but um, it has allowed us to, to sort of gather consistent information um, across the team and across the service and across different professions. So what we achieved was that now over the time that we've gathered this information, we have a map of of where we've been we also we have a a big graph that shows our caseload over this time in and we can break it down into the different areas we can break it down into acute and community we can break it down into different subsections we can break it down into different areas different wards different bits of people we can break it down into um different primary diagnoses and it gives a way to explain to our managers and, and people outside the profession the level of complexity of the patients that we're dealing with. And it allows us to have a, a common way to discuss the patients. And we've achieved the ability to, within a, within certain areas of the team, to describe um, an individual to each other using this scoring system and to or, or to, you know to immediately have a picture um of this person's needs and what you know what it is that we're actually needing to provide for them and this has given us information on an individual level and a service level on a ward level and even a whole hospital or a whole community level that we are able to to um to use to to map this service and so we have achieved that, but at the same time, we are still in the situation where it's very abstract to describe it. And, and even now talking to you about it, although I think I understand, there is something that says you don't truly understand something until you can describe it to somebody else. So it'd be really interesting to know whether what I have said has made sense to you because i've worked from from a from just i've had some point, some bullet points here and i've just talked around them and it would be really interesting to know whether you actually have followed what i've said and whether it makes sense to you or if if there's a whole load of questions that still need answering and i think the most important part of this experience is that we now understand that that there's two ways of viewing something, and and it's the decision making and the complex reasoning that goes around um, the these decisions that are hugely important. So, for example, I mean, there is a way of of thinking, and I now I've forgotten the book's name. Um, oh yes, Thinking Fast and Thinking Fast and Slow, um, and it talks about what you see is all there is, and what you see is not what it looks like. Was he and was in will, okay, if you break it down to its, to its um, um, acronyms. So, what you see is all there is. For example, okay, let's give you an example. So, we might have a, a Doris, and Doris might come into A&E with a fractured wrist, and Doris lives on her own at home but she manages she gets out and about on the bus she collects her pension she does her shopping she doesn't have any carers she goes to the surgery to see the practice nurse a couple of times a month to, to manage her blood sugars she might have diabetes um she lives alone at home and she doesn't need any care and she's fallen over she's tripped and fallen over and she's broken a wrist of her non-dominant hand and so she is now in a situation where she's in a cast for six weeks, but with a little bit of support and a little bit of help as how to, she lives with one hand and maybe, you know, a little bit of rehab to get her a little bit more steady on, on her feet again since she's fallen over. Doris might be absolutely fine to stay at home. Okay, so Doris has got a fractured is a collie's fracture of her left wrist. Now, what you see is is all there is there? Because if we mend the fractured wrist and send Doris home with maybe a stick and a little bit of support to to teach her how to be one ha- single handed at home, she might be absolutely fine. On the other hand, if we have Boris who who also has fallen and fractured his left wrist, if Boris is what you see is not what it looks like, Boris is is still the same, presents the same. He's a collie's fracture, but Boris is. Reliant on a a Zimmer frame to walk at home, and Boris lives alone, and he he does, but he has he has people that pop in to help him with things, and he's just about coping with making his meals, and he doesn't really get out and about. He lives, you know, in a in a community where people can pop in to see him, but he very much only sees people if they come to the house. He doesn't get out and about. He he is within his own four walls. And Boris really is struggling to get to his GP surgery. And as a result, he he's also diabetic and he hasn't had his blood sugars checked for a long time. And, and, and actually, he's not managing his medication very well. And he's been having a number of falls because he's started to lose the sensation in his feet. And he's started to fall over, but he's not really been telling anyone. And he's managed to get himself up but he's had to call the ambulance a couple of times. And he's at home and he he thinks he really could do with some help, but he doesn't really know how to get it. Now, if we fix the, the wrist of Boris and we fix his left wrist and we send him home, he isn't going to cope in the same way that Doris is going to cope. He's going to need a lot more help and support, even if it is, you know, let's say that Boris has broken his his left wrist and that's his dominant hand. You know, if we look at the context of the situation of this person, it's totally different for Boris than it is for Doris. And you can see that actually sort of from a from a health and social care perspective, the context is absolutely everything. And and that story around the person, independently of what they've presented to us with is hugely hugely important and i think that that's really been the transformation that that through and this learning has really really been absolutely fundamental in changing m- me as a, as a as a physiotherapist so it's it's understanding that as a service we can't change and evolve without this understanding we can't make appropriate decisions and we can't look at people's lives in isolation it has to include their whole life we can't look at their problems in isolation it has to include their whole life because without that you can't make an appropriate decision and it's about this shift towards what is possible and from a service provision perspective if we're not taking into account that our our services are getting more complex and people's health needs are getting harder and people are becoming more difficult um, to treat as they've got comorbidities and and lots of things that, that roll into each other and they can't be treated in isolation, that we can't evolve our services or shift towards different possibilities without this. And what we need to understand is is that There's different types of this work and that that the work looks different for the Dorises than it does for the Borises and that we can't potentially send out same bands of stuff to see Doris as we can to see Boris. Um, And therefore we can't start to plan or predict what our training needs are or our stuffing needs even now or in the future to give us resilient services, unless we start to take into consideration the complexity of the problems and to be able to measure that. So, importantly, as a clinical lead, this way of thinking has has shifted oh, me away from thinking in one problem equals one solution, and and I think that that is. Been how we've been able to take the team forwards is that people have stopped thinking about one problem has one solution because it doesn't always have one solution, and thinking in a in a looking at at this in a complex system, one solution might have a whole load of follow up problems um, for one person that it doesn't for another, and this different way of problem solving and decision making, where a whole person is more than a sum of their parts or where a whole somebody's whole life is more than a sum of its parts means that our decision making process has to change ultimately a decision for doris is not right for boris despite presenting with the same problem and when we look at that across a whole service if we if we look at it across a whole system if we upscale it to a whole um you know community it does change the way that we need to view rehabilitation and it does change the way we need to 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 view how we're managing our caseloads and how we are viewing our profession as a whole and I have just realized how long I've been talking for and I'm you can understand I get really, I'm really passionate about all of this and I'm passionate about all the Dorises and the Borises and all of our staff and how we're going to help the NHS generally to move forwards and if you would let me and if you would, um, I can't even think of the word. If you, if you will come with me I'd love to share some more of this with you so that you can understand a little bit more about complexity and how it is embedded in everything that we do, even if we don't know that that is what we're doing and how we can, how we can use it to help shift our thinking and shift our services forwards. So anyway, thank you ever so much for listening and thank you so much for your time. If you want to learn more, then um, please come and find us over at Emerging Rehab on Instagram Um, or our Facebook page, Emerging Rehabilitation. Okay. Thanks so much. And I will speak to you again soon. Bye-bye. If you've enjoyed listening today, then please pop over to Instagram and find us at Emerging Rehab and let us know. We would be delighted to hear from you and we will see you again soon. Bye-bye.